you worship you, Lord. Be magnified in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for what you continue to do. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. As we go into your go with us, speak unto us, teach us, and let your name be glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. For we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's have our seats. We are welcome to his presence. It's good to be back home. The Lord going to uphold each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 20 to verse 22. Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 to 22. Genesis 8, verses 20 to 22. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again cause the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everyth everything living, as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Amen. Today we are starting a series of studies on what I call altar versus altar. What did I say? So if you are part of us as we are starting this series today, make sure you are here through to the end. Because there are a number of things the Lord is going to reveal unto us. And the Lord himself will fight for us in Jesus' name. I said God himself will fight for us in Jesus' name. So we said altar versus, it means there are two different altars, right? And simply put, there is the altar that is of God. There is altar that is what? And what is the alternative? The altar that is of the devil. There are two contending altars at any point in time. Altar versus altar. What is an altar? That's the first very important question. What is an altar? The altar is a place of spiritual communication. A place of what? Resulting in either the establishment, the renewal, or the oiling of an existing covenant. The altar is a place of what? Spiritual communication. Resulting in either of three things. Number one, establishment. Number two, renewal. Number three, oiling. When I say oiling, you can call it maybe a better word to use is servicing. So, is that you establish a covenant, you renew a covenant, or you service an existing covenant on an altar. But an altar affords an opportunity for communication which results in either of those three things. 
Now, when we're talking about communication, the key word there is that it is a spiritual communication. It's not necessarily what is seen, but it's what obtains. One of the things we need to take note of is that behind every altar is a spirit. What did I just say? Very important. Behind every altar is a spirit. That is why the things that are done at the altar can be perpetuated from generation to generation, from season to season, except it is broken, except it is interrupted with. See, that's the advantage that we have as Christians, as children of God. The Bible says we shall decree a thing. What will happen? It shall be established. And that equally implies that whatever has been decreed against you or concerning you, contrary to the purpose of God, what will happen to it? What will happen to it? It will not be established. Are we together? You as a child of God, with the spirit of God in you, you will decree a thing and it will be established. Now, whatever has been decreed contrary to that spirit of God in you, what will happen to it? It will not be established. That's why the Bible says, a cross costness shall do what? Shall not stand. Shall not stand. So there are three requirements when we're talking about an altar. Three requirements. Number one, the place. Number one is what? The place. Number two is the priest. The priest. And number three, the sacrifice. So when we talk of an altar, there is a place, there is a priest, and there is what? There is a sacrifice. Those three things are key when we're talking about an altar. The place of an altar can be chosen by you. You can choose the place of an altar. But, at the same time, some places are chosen by God as a place for specific altars. So you can choose a place for an altar. For example, this church is an altar. Because it's a place where we do what? We worship God. We communicate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But this building was not built as a church. Amen? When this building was built, it wasn't a church. In fact, one, somebody passed there when we bought this place newly. And the man was, he's a pastor, he's an old pastor, he's been in Barry for long. And he was praising God. Oh, I said hallelujah. We're having our midday prayer that day. The man just came and was blowing tongues. He said, glory to God. So we have a church here. He said, long ago, there used to be a clubhouse on this venue. At that point in time, this was like on the outskirts of Berry. You know, like that, if you are not told, you don't realize that, I mean, even up till now, the, 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 the property address of this, of, of our property here is in Innisfield. It's not Barry. So he said, when there used to be a nightclub there, he said it used to cost that nightclub. And one day, he was passing by and he saw that what had happened to the nightclub. It had been burnt down. So, 
Of course, it, they rebuilt the place, but no longer a nightclub. For they use it for so many things, and then one day he's now passing, and he sees that there's what? There is a church. And that's why he was rejoicing. We have come to establish a place for the worship of the living God. We're talking about the fact that the altar requires a place. And we said, you can choose. God gave us this property. When we were praying, the Lord gave us an idea of what, what the property would look like. And so the moment we saw it, we knew this is the place. And in his goodness, when we saw it, we thought it was only this building. And then the agent came and said, no, there's also a building at the back. They are together. And then with the land and all that stuff. Tell somebody God is good. So you can choose a place for an altar. But some places are chosen by God as the place of specific altars. And a very good example is Mount Moriah. In Genesis chapter 22 verse 2. Genesis 22 verse 2. When the Lord told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. God did not just say, oh, Abraham, take Isaac, sacrifice him. I will accept your sacrifice. Is that what he said? God was very specific. And brethren, many a time, God speaks to us with specific instructions. He expects us to do what? To do what? Obey specifically. I hope that is correct English. When the Lord says, do this at 6 a.m., don't wait until 7 a.m. When the Lord says, do this at 12 noon, don't wait until 1 p.m. The Bible says, God was speaking to Abraham. He said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. So he made sure there was no confusion. Because at that point in time, Ishmael was there. He said, whom thou lovest, get thee into where? The land of Moriah. God was specific. Tell somebody God is specific. And just like concerning you here today, I know God is specific. He knows you. As an individual, you are here in the midst of the congregation, but he, that's why he knows you. He knows those struggles you are going through. He knows the things you pass through during the week. He knows what made you almost not to come to church this morning. He said, take your only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. God was very specific. Why is this important? You find out that eventually that mountain upon which Abraham was going to sacrifice his son before the Lord showed him a ram became the venue of the temple of Solomon. God was specific. God makes no mistakes. How would you realize that? He makes no mistakes. He's brought you here today for a reason. And that reason will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Yeah. I said it will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Yeah. In 2 Kings chapter 24, the Bible says, David took a census of the people contrary to the word of God. God was angry. And he told him, what do you choose? Three days to be running away from, I mean, three days for, with a plague. Three months to be running away from your enemies. Three years famine. And the man said, I would rather fall into the hand of God than what? Than man. 
And so God began to strike down the people of Israel until he got to this same Mount Moriah, the threshing floor of Arauna. And the mercy of God prevailed. I pray for someone here today. God's mercy will prevail upon you. Amen. God's mercy will prevail in your situation. Amen. You might have gone astray. You might have done something contrary to his injunction. Because he's the God of mercy. Because he's here today. He will have mercy upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. And every altar that has been acting contrary to your destiny, the Lord himself will destroy today in the name of Jesus. Amen. When the angel got onto that particular place of covenant, the Lord spoke to that angel of destruction and said, Stop. Tell somebody, Stop. Stop. The Lord told that angel, Enough is enough. I've heard the cry of my people. I've heard the cry of the king I put in place of these people. And God told David, Go and sacrifice. Go and in in Second Samuel chapter twenty-four, verse eighteen. Second Samuel twenty-four, verse eighteen. He sent the prophet, came to David and said, "Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arauna the Jebusite." Now, when you go to Second Chronicles chapter three, verse one. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord. Where? In Mount Moriah. Remember? That was where God told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. It was where the Lord appeared unto David, his father. In the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Onan, the Jebusite. So, what am I trying to bring out? When God specifically says, this is where I want this altar to be, he has a reason. In every one of our houses, there should be an altar. Is that not so? There should be a place we pray. We come together as a family to pray. As a man of the house, you should have an altar. A place you pray, you seek the face of God. As a mother of the house, you should have what? An altar. Where you seek the face of God. On a consistent basis. But there are specific locations that God chooses. That God says, here I want to do something. And you will not miss that location in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is an altar? A, an altar is a place of bond offerings. We are going to start mentioning some things that happen on the altar. And the first thing we want to talk about today is that it's a place of bond offerings. We read of that in that Genesis chapter 8. It's a place of burnt offerings. Sacrifices are made. Noah came out of the ark. This was a time of scarcity. He had just clean animals. The Bible says when he went to the ark, he took seven clean animals, two unclean animals. Seven for each of the clean, two for the unclean. So he didn't have too many things to work with. But out of those few animals that Noah had, he prepared a burnt offering for the Lord. So the altar is a place of burnt offerings. And there are two types of burnt offerings on the altar. There is the burnt offering unto the Lord and the burnt offering unto who? 
unto the devil. Remember, when we are talking about an altar, we have the altar that is unto God. Uh, we have the altar that is unto who? Unto the devil. You must always bear that in mind. Because that will form the basis of some prayer points we are going to pray. The key thing here is, when Noah made his sacrifice upon that altar that he built, God met with him. The value of your sacrifice determines what you get from that sacrifice. Tell your neighbor the value of your sacrifice determines what you get from that sacrifice. Noah came out of the ark and he, of those real animals that he had, he decided to sacrifice some unto the Lord, the God of all flesh. The God that kept him alive. <coughs> Excuse me. When you go back to Abraham's sacrifice on Mount Moriah, what was the sacrifice of Abraham? His only son. Now you, I mean, like we said, at that point in time, you already had uh, Ishmael. But Isaac was the son of promise. Isaac was a son through whom God said, I will fulfill my promise to your generations. Isaac was the apple of his eyes. More importantly, Isaac was the apple of Sarah's eyes. Abraham was ready to accommodate Isaac and Ishmael. But of Sarah, he was ready to have none of that Ishmael man the moment Isaac was born. No wonder the moment Abraham had the instruction, he didn't wait to tell Sarah if she agreed or not. The Bible says, early in the morning, what did he do? He saddled his, uh, his animals and he went to the place of the sacrifice. The value of your sacrifice determines what you get from that sacrifice. When Abraham got to that mountain, God gave him a ram in place of that boy. But more importantly, he got an everlasting covenant. He got what? That's very important. That's why today you and I are here. It's because Abraham was obedient unto God. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 16 to 18. Because of the obedience of Abraham upon Mount Moriah, the Bible says God spoke and said, by myself have I sworn, said the Lord. Because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld thy son, thine only son. So that you know that the arithmetic of God is not the same as that of man. Is somebody with me this morning? The arithmetic of God is what? God kept saying, this boy is your only son. But you and I know that at that point in time, how old was Ishmael? When Isaac was born, Ishmael was how old? 13 years old. But yet, God kept saying, this boy is what? Your only son. The arithmetic of God. You will not fail in his calculations in Jesus' name. That's why, brethren, you must avoid applying logic to the things of God. Many a times God wants to bless you, but you are too logical for the blessings of God. And you end up losing his purpose for your life. 
A wise man says the wisdom of man is like when a man goes to the ocean. We all know what the ocean is, right? Or let me not, let's say, what do you call this place? The water here, what do you call it? Lake Simcoe. You go to Lake Simcoe with, uh, with a truck, not even a bucket. And you draw a truck full of water and you are excited. I have water that will last me for two months. Does the lake feel anything that you have done? Is there an impact of what you have done on the lake? Nothing. The, the waters continue to flow in the lake as if nothing has happened. That is the wisdom of man. No wonder the Bible says the foolishness of God is what? It's wiser than the wisdom of man. Many a times God is telling you this is the way. Walk in it. But you say, ah, no, this cannot be right. Because you have done the analysis. And your analysis does not, I mean, disagrees with what God is telling you to do. But you fail to realize that all the variables are in God's hands. Is that not so? The man you are trusting that will help you on this journey. By the time you get to his office, what could happen? It could have been transferred. It could have been sapped. It could be dead. Any of, any of those things could have happened. A particular man was so happy that he won a contract. He went through all the processes, got to the final stage, was going to sign just the papers and give him the documents and give him what they call, what they call that thing, the first check. Mobilize, black man is a Nigerian. He was going to get what they call mobilization fee for the contract. He was excited. Only for him to get to where he would collect the mobilization fee. And what happened? The man was dead. So he had to start all over again. Because the next man will have to go through his own process. And the next man had his own person in mind. In mind. A young man attended a conference. And that conference, he was told that the Lord says he has a promise for your life. He will make you a millionaire. Not a millionaire, a billionaire. The man was a... He managed to come for that conference. But the word of God came to him truly. And things began to turn around for him. He began to do well. And what was the next thing? He stopped coming to church. Bro, what happened? Ah, you know, you know the way things are. Now we are very busy. My business partners, the only time they have for their meetings is on weekends, it's on Sundays. So on Sunday, today is on his way to Paris, tomorrow is on his way to London. <laughs> and God was waiting for him. He was warned, but he refused warning. And he had one very big contract that was coming. A contract that was worth billions. He was making it. He was doing very well. He had applied his money to do the, uh, all the preparatory analysis and all that. Everything was said. And when it was time for the contract to be signed, there was a military coup. The soldiers took over the government. So every investment he had made in that enterprise was gone. He was back to square one. 
When you think you are wiser than God, how did I get into telling these stories? I'm talking about the place of logic. When God gives you an instruction and you begin to apply your own logic, God doesn't work by your logic. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. An altar, the altar that Abraham built on Mount Moriah became an everlasting covenant for him up till today. But an altar could also be unto the devil. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 19 to 21. 1 Corinthians 10, 19 to 21. 1 Corinthians 10, 19 to 21. What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? Verse 20. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to who? To devils. And not to God. And I will not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and on the table of devils. Remember I said that upon the altar, some, some things are done to do what? To service the altar on a regular basis. Some of us will not say, no, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian. And I have nothing to do with all those devilish altars. But what do we do? Every time is, every point is time to service the altar. We do what? We send money to them. You will do it. But you send money for them to do it. You, you are servicing that altar. That satanic altar. And it's holding back your progress. I, I don't know if it's in the church here I shared the story of a sister. I met that sister here in Canada. One of the days I was visiting one of our churches. She told me the story herself. She has a sister in the States. And both of them were struggling with getting their papers. But one day, the sister went home to Benin City, Nigeria. And realized that there is a room in, her, in their mother's house where the mother has an idol for every child and every grandchild. And she has a name on each of them. So when this woman got into that room, she saw an idol with her own name and one with the names of her children. And the same thing applies for every child that that woman has. And that is why wherever those children went, they were not making any headway. So this sister took everyone that has her name or the names of her children, took them out, destroyed them. It was then she was able to make headway. But the one that belonged to her sister was here in Canada, she didn't touch it. That one continued to struggle. You will not struggle in Jesus' name. Amen. Every struggle in your life, the Lord will tabulate in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is an altar unto the devil. And it is being serviced by that woman, their mother. That's why the Bible says, a man's foes are what? The members of his household. A woman's foes are the members of her household. You must know who you believe. You must know the God you serve. 
Because there is an altar that has been raised that fights for you and I. When you look at Numbers 16, verse 15, Numbers 16, verse 15, Moses prayed a prayer there that's very important. That was the story of uh, Dathan, uh, what's that other guy's name? Dathan Nathan, Nathan and Abiram, the three people that conspired against Moses. But Moses in verse 15, the Bible says, He was very wroth and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. So there are offerings that are being made, that you make. There are sacrifices that you make to the living God. There are offerings and sacrifices that the enemies are making concerning your situation. That's why Moses prayed that prayer. He said, Lord, do not respect their offering. I pray for you today. Every offering of the enemy concerning you, the Lord will not respect you in Jesus' name. Amen. There may be a basis, a legal basis. That's why the Bible talks about the legal captive. There may be, a, you might have sold yourself to the enemy that they begin to twist you around. But because you are here before the King of Jesus and Lord of Lords, every offering, every prayer of the kingdom of darkness concerning you, the Lord will cast you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord will fight for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The king of Moab. In 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. As we begin to round up. The king of Moab. He was deceived. Your enemies will be deceived. Amen. I say your enemies will be deceived. Amen. How was he deceived? They encamped against Israel. They came against Israel. And they thought they had the upper hand. The Bible says they woke up in the morning and they saw the water that was flowing. And it looked, I mean, it was colored. So they said, oh, there has been a slaughter in the camp of Israel. Now let's go to the spoil. To the spoil. But when they got to the camp of Israel, Israel was alive. Israel was awake. Israel was ready to fight. Israel began to fight. And the Bible says the battle was so hot, the Moabites were defeated, not only on the battlefield, but onto their villages, onto their cities. Israel was destroying them. But the Bible says, when the king of Moab, in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 26 to 27, when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, what would he do? He took with him 700 men. That you swore to break through even unto the king of Edom, but they could not. That was the first step. Then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. <laughs> and they departed from him and returned to their own land. It's not that God accepted him sacrificing his son. But he demonstrated a principle. Remember I said at the beginning, the value of your sacrifice will determine what you make out of it. This man took his only, his oldest son that was going to reign in his head. He sacrificed him because he wanted victory against Israel. That is the way the kingdom of darkness operates. Of course, he never won the battle against Israel. 
But Israel had to depart from him. They let him be. Brethren, whatever you give unto God will more than be rewarded. When I'm talking about giving unto God, I'm not talking about, not necessarily about money. It could be money, but I'm talking about, you know what Paul said? He said, I will spend and what? And be spent. I will apply myself. I will make myself available for the work of God. The ultimate altar was the altar erected on Calvary. When Jesus was crucified and his blood was shed for you and I. Upon that altar, there was an exchange. Tell somebody an exchange. There was an exchange. His punishment was exchanged for our forgiveness. See, that's why if there be any altar that has been erected against you because of some sin that you have committed, because you have offended somebody, because Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, you are forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. I said you are forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. He took upon him the punishment. Isaiah 53 verse 5. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. He took upon him the punishment for your sin, for my sin. So that the altar that is being erected, where they are recording your errors, he wiped it out with his blood. So that when they now call your name, what do they see? They see the blood. They see the blood. So that you and I need not live in fear. Tell somebody fear not. His wound upon the cross was for your healing, for my healing. In the passage we read above, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, 1 Peter 2, 24, 1 Peter 2, the Bible says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body, on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. In other words, one of the problems many of us have is that we are not dead to sin. Jesus has paid the price. He died on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood for you and I. But he expects us to be what? Dead to sin. He expects us not to trivialize sin. He expects us not to say, because everyone is doing it, I can do what? I can do it. <laughs> the Bible tells me, that the road that leads to heaven is what? It's narrow. Brethren, it has not gotten wider. If anything, it is now narrower. Somebody said that the road to heaven is so narrow that you cannot carry your Bible along. Yes. You, you can't carry this Bible along. This is too big. It's only the Bible in you that will follow you on that journey. It's, that's why the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may do what? That I may not sin against thee. It's very important. That's why someone else said, this, this book will do what? Will either separate you from sin, or 
or sin will separate you from this book. Oh, many of us don't like reading the Bible. Why? Because of our sin. Because of our sin. I've shared this story before of a friend of mine. We met in the train when I used to uh, travel to Toronto on a daily basis. And every day he would see me, I would sit in a corner and I would be reading my Bible. I, I had a smaller Bible then, not this, not this big. But I didn't have things like all this app and all that stuff. I didn't have that. So I would carry my Bible and read it in the train. And this brother was always seeing every day. So one day he came and met me. And that's how we became friends. And then he began bringing his own Bible too. To the gold train. He used to come in at Newmarket. I would come in from Barry. He would join me and would continue. And he started reading from Genesis. We were having a good time. Until we got to Leviticus. Then one day my friend said, say, no, 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 this is too hard. He said, this is too hard. That was the end of the story. For him, he said what he was seeing there was too hard. And he left it. He said that sin will stop you from reading the Bible or the Bible will stop you from doing what? You have to make up your mind. God will not change because of you. No. Change is constant for you and I. But God remains the same. You know, we said this month is our month of divine visitation. If he visits you, what will he find? Not, not if. When he visits you, what will be your story? Because this month, the Lord will visit you. Amen. Somebody does not like that prayer. You know, it's like somebody is saying, God, wait, 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 don't come yet. I want to do some things. I said, this month, the Lord will visit you. Amen. When he visits you, what will he find? With you. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads. On the cross of Calvary, there was an exchange of his poverty for abundance. There was an exchange of his death for our eternal life. He died that you and I might have access to eternity. Are you here today? You've not given your life to Jesus. This is the time. This is the time for you to say, I surrender all. Unto you, my blessed Savior. This is the time for you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take hold of who I am. Take hold of all that I am. Maybe you are watching us online. You are not born again. This is the time to be born again. If you are in the house, you can raise up your hand. If you have not given your life to Christ. If you are online, you have not given your life to Christ. You want to pray this prayer. You just say, Lord Jesus, I come before you. I know there was an altar erected on my behalf on the cross of Calvary. Oh, come into my life today. Come in today. Take control and have your way in my life. Oh, tell the devil, Satan, today I break every relationship with you. Today I destroy every altar I have erected with you. Tell the devil that. Tell him. Tell him. Tell Oh, Lord Jesus, write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. We are going to pray. We are going to pray. Let's rise on our feet. Let's rise on our feet. It's the beginning of a series we are going to be looking at as the Lord guides us. But you are going to pray. Say, Father, respect not the prayer of the enemy over my life. In the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and pray. Oh Lord, respect not the prayer of the enemy 
over my life in the name of Jesus. Respect not the prayer of the enemy over my life. Maria Katole in Ragaba Ushkate in the name of Jesus. Respect not the prayer of the enemy over my life in the name of Jesus. Respect not the prayer of the enemy over my life, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we are praying. Say every contrary altar erected concerning me. Let your fire destroy in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every contrary altar, Maredebo Sahika Telemahandaria, Iprosika Lianda Itragabo, let your fire destroy, let your fire consume. In the name of Jesus, Zika Telebos Alianda Itragabo, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, Malirabo Sekelia Andragaba Ushate, Maroske Porima Anda Itragabunduria, every contrary altar, let your fire consume. In Jesus' name we are praying. I shared one story with Georgia some time ago of that young boy whose father stole a bicycle and sold it to get money for his school fees. And the owner of the bicycle said, the person that has stolen my bicycle in, to his, in his generations, if they eat rice, it will be contrary to them. Now, the man who stole the bicycle did not know, but it was right that killed him. And that's how people began to die. But this boy now gave his life to Christ. But the covenant was still working upon him. He went for his youth service. Where he went, in uh, those of us that know Kwara State, between Kwara and Niger State, the only food there he could eat was what? Rice. And the boy was dying. And then he told, but he realized that our general overseer was in the Lord then and said they, they should take, take, take him to the Jew. And as the Jew began to pray to him, it was revealed, this is the problem. It is bicycle that is killing you, if so to say. So the boy promised that this bicycle his father stole was a used one. But he will do what? He will replace it with a new one. That was all. So there was even no need for prayer again. And the Jew said he had on the table that day rice that he was going to eat for lunch. That young man finished it. But the affliction was over. I speak to somebody's life today. Every affliction in your life is over in the name of Jesus. Every covenant of affliction is terminated in the name of Jesus. You are going to pray. Every contrary covenant Ah, open your mouth and say, every contrary covenant entered into on my behalf. I break today in the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and pray. Every contrary covenant, I break in the name of Jesus. I break in the name of Jesus. Every contrary covenant entered into on my behalf. I break in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. Father, we thank you. We lift on him on I accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you have done. 
Your word says better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Yes. We have started these studies today. Father, you will go with us. Amen. You're going to, to teach us. Amen. The covenants you have broken today remain broken. Amen. The altars you have destroyed today remain destroyed. Amen. You begin to do new things in our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. New manifestations in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, glorify your name. Put the devil to shame. Amen. Let our joy be full. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord, for we are prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.